Welcome to the Westside Gathering Podcast, and thanks for making the time to learn and grow with us. Here you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, let's jump right in. We're going to move into a theme this morning, uh, which is the ending theme of our Eastertide series, and we end with Pentecost. It's 50 days after Easter. Uh, we've been following this season of Eastertide since Easter and since resurrection, and we bring it to a close today with such a beautiful, powerful text. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them and a tongue rested on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one of them heard speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they're all filled with new wine. In other words, a lot of wine, like being drunk. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it's only nine in the morning. No, this was what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. What a crazy text. What a beautiful text, a beautiful description uh, that we see here in Acts 2. And I want us to just jump right into this this morning. Acts 2 helps us understand how the church started. Last week, John Wayne spoke into the series, and he kind of described the book of Acts as Jesus 2. Like Luke's gospel was Jesus part 1, and the book of Acts is Jesus part 2. And while I totally agree with John, I also like to say that Acts is the works of the Holy Spirit. Nothing of what the the disciples the apostles, the church were doing in the name of Jesus, reflecting the mission of Jesus would have been possible without the Spirit filling them and leading them. And this moment, Pentecost, is one of the big biblical moments in, in, in God's story. It completes Eastertide. And um, when you think about this text here, and even the book of Acts, Luke 
is not, an, is not as much of an analytical teacher like Paul is. And so Luke strives to capture the moment in story form, in, in describing what was happening. And, and so I think when we read Acts, we're not so much called to analyze it as much as we are to acknowledge it. Like, I don't know, how can you analyze wind or fire? Well, there are people who will do it today with, you know, molecular things and, and machines and everything. But when you think about it, you experience the wind and you feel the fire. And it, how do you analyze miraculous speech? And so Peter didn't try to explain the wind. He didn't try to explain the intensity of the fire or the temperature. He didn't try and explain the tongues that happened in the upper apartment in Jerusalem, but he, he attempts to explain how it fulfills what God was saying would happen all along and God's great story and plan in the last days before new creation or the restoration of a new heaven and a new earth and, and a new city and a new Jerusalem comes. And so what we know in this moment is that the church, these first uh, disciples, 120 of them are filled and fueled to proclaim the resurrected Jesus. We're still in Eastertide, so we're still thinking about resurrection, right? And they're empowered with tongues and they're empowered with languages and people on the streets, both the, the, the Jews who lived in Jerusalem but dispersed from all over Judea came in for this festival called Pentecost and they're coming from the places where they live and, and they're hearing their language proclaim who God is, God's power and God's deeds and the work of Jesus Christ. And this all happens on this day called Pentecost. Pentecost seems like, in our day and age, we just kind of like maybe refer to a historical movement in the church called the Pentecostals. But it really started on this day is a festival that the Jews celebrated. It was an agricultural festival where the Jews would give the first fruits of their crop, the first fruits of their field as a way to trust God, as a way to lean into God's abundance, as a way to know that God was provider and king. But Pentecost was also 50 days after Passover. And so if you think about the early you know, uh, Jewish life, uh, you know, God gave Israel the law 50 days after Passover, after he uh, frees them from Egypt. And it's this new way of life for Israel. It's this new way of living that they did not understand or experience in Egypt. And so when Pentecost comes and this beautiful thing takes place in the book of Acts, it's now this new life for all of God's people, Jew and Gentile. And so, so this is the heartbeat of what's happening on this day before the wind comes, before um, you know, they see fire, before anything happens. So that's a part of it. But some of us, I'm sure, I don't know about you, but I know my head goes to like the Pentecostal movement. I grew up in a Pentecostal church. I still have great appreciation for Pentecostal churches. Pentecostals like Baptists are a big umbrella uh, because, you know, if you know, you know that one Baptist is not the same as another Baptist, right? You have one, Bapti one Baptist kind of like doing something crazy in some part of the world and one Baptist doing some beautiful things in another part of the world. We don't understand why. Sometimes theology, they're theology leads to certain things. That's the same with Pentecostals. It's a big umbrella. And you'll see some Pentecostals doing some things. You're like, really? Is that what we should be doing? And then you see some other Pentecostals living into God's life and mission, and it's wonderful. And so we might have this image of Pentecost from this modern Pentecostal movement that started in 1906 in Los Angeles, California, 
In 30, 40 years leading up to 1906, God was doing something. Pockets all over the United States were, and even in the world, were starting to see God do things that, that were more than they normally saw in a church gathering. And in 1906, revival breaks out in L.A., and it literally moves to other parts of North America and the world. And one of the key features of this movement was speaking in tongues. People were speaking in other tongues, and it became a key feature, and that's why they called it the Pentecostal movement, because like this is, looks like what was happening in Acts chapter 2. But there was much more than just speaking in tongues. There was, people were healed, lives were restored, emotions were restored, uh, relationships were restored, racial barriers were broken, <clears throat> injustices and sins were confessed. This new love for the world, for people, for humanity, for missions grew out of this, this movement that was going on. And so something beautiful was happening in the middle of some of the things that we, get, we see reported on the news or in the, in the papers. But here's something I love about Pentecost. And as much as I also grew up in a Pentecostal movement and, and also appreciate it, Pentecostals don't own Pentecost. Like, Pentecost is 2,000 years old. Well, actually, the festival is even older than that. And Acts 2 is, is really the heartbeat of Pentecost. Every single church on the planet that calls Jesus Lord and lives into mission has its roots in Acts chapter 2. Every church. The birth of the early church was in Acts 2, and the roots of every church, ours included, is found on this day of Pentecost. And I love how, how what we see here in the scripture in verse 2. Thanks, Beth. This is real water for people on the screens. Just that was a really bad joke, but that's fine. Um, hey, so th th in, in verse 2, right, it says that whatever, what's happening here, the wind and the fire, and it's God's spirit is being poured out from heaven. That's the, that's the phrase we get. The source of the wind or the cause of it, the fire, the tongues, is from heaven. This is describing something that's coming from God's space into our space. Last week, John Wayne talked about how Jesus ascended into heaven. He didn't go to some other planet called heaven. He didn't go to some place in the, in the universe. He ascended into God's space, God's realm. And there's several times, even in our church community, we've taught through this, that heaven and earth exist simultaneously. God's space, our space. And sometimes we see an overlap and really cool things happen. But we also know the tension because we're not fully in God's space. We're, we're fully in our space. And so we see this pattern in the New Testament when God sends Jesus. Here's the pattern. Jesus comes from heaven to earth, from God's space to our space. Jesus ascends from earth to heaven, from God's, uh, our space to God's space. And Jesus promised that he would send another one like himself, a comf the comforter, God's very own spirit, from God's space to our space. See the pattern? Heaven to earth, earth to heaven, heaven to earth. God loves this route. God loves this highway. He loves to jump into our lives and intersect with our lives. He loves us so much. He loves this space called earth so much. He sent Jesus to our space. He sends his Holy Spirit into our space to be active and present. And that's why the beautiful thing about Pentecost is really what I call the trifecta of Eastertide. 
it's like the you see you know the resurrection of Jesus the ascension of Jesus and then Pentecost the sending of God's spirit when Jesus rises from the grave it's the first glimpse the first fruits of new creation Jesus shows us what resurrection looks like when he rises from the dead but when Jesus ascends into heaven, we get the first glimpse or the first fruit of creation being transformed into new creation. One day, we will be like him. One day, this world will be transformed. One day, even the things we produce in this world, if you read back to Isaiah 25 and 60 and Revelation 21 and 22, what we have to offer will be transformed into new creation. And when Jesus ascended into heaven, that was the first glimpse of that, heaven and earth meeting. And then Pentecost happens, the closing of this trifecta, the spirit is poured out. That's the first glimpse or the first fruits for you and me to experience new creation. Jesus shows us what it is in resurrection. Jesus um, shows us what it will look like as well as he ascends to heaven. And then we are able to get a glimpse of it in our own lives as God transforms us and changes us and sometimes breaks through and does something even miraculous. Maybe this is part of a fulfillment of the Lord's prayer, right? Our Father in heaven, may your will, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth in our space as it is in heaven, your space. And T. Wright says, the gift of the Spirit is the direct result of the ascension of Jesus. As Jesus ascends into heaven, God's space, he sends his Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit so the church can function. Go and read Acts chapter four, uh, Ephesians chapter 4 where Paul explains it this way. So when all this stuff is going on, the wind, the fire, the, the languages, the tongues, the people outside of this apartment in Jerusalem from all walks of life are hearing this. Peter has to explain. Peter has to let people know, like, what is going on here? And so Peter, because he's speaking to primarily Jewish people, he pulls back from, from a prophetic word in the Old Testament, in Joel chapter 2. He pulls from Joel chapter 2, and he helps them understand what exactly God is up to in that moment that God promised that he would outpour his spirit, that God promised he would be present with them in the last days. Now that might confuse you because these days people are telling us something is happening in the world and it must be the last days. And yet we're reading this document that's 2,000 years old and Peter tells them what's happening today is part of the last days. And you're like, wait a second, what last days? Was it those last days or these last days? Well, we're right on both accounts. Isn't that great when the answer is like there's two answers to a question? That's amazing when they're both right. So when, when, when they use the word last days, it is the last days because after the coming of the Spirit between the resurrection and the ascension and Pentecost all the way up to new creation, that's the last days. So when, when someone says to you, hey, I hear this talk that we're in the last days. Are we in the last days? You can say, yeah, we're, we're in the last days. When are the last days? Well, we've been in the last days for 2,000 years because God's spirit has been poured out and God wants to do an amazing work in us and God wants to do an amazing work in you. And we're in this chapter before God's finale in new creation. We're still in it. Now, we can another day talk about the you know how long is that and when is that final chapter and all that kind of stuff but i love that 
in Acts 2, 2,000 years ago, the early Christians, just like us, recognized we're in the last days because God's spirit is poured out. I don't know, I took a little rabbit hole there because I think it was just an interesting one. But when I, let me kind of tell you a story as we move into this next section. My uncle is, um, is in his 70s and he often talks about certain eras of his life that he loved. And one of the eras he always tells me he loves, he's like, Dave, the 50s were amazing. <laughs> he says the 50s were like the best decade. There was, there was new stuff going on. There was hope. There was a trajectory of growth. The war was over. I don't know. He, just, he, he told me if he could live in any decade in his whole life, he'd go back to the 50s. I'm not sure what it would be for you. But he's, the way he describes it is he says the 50s felt fresh. The 50s felt like something beautiful was going on and something hopeful was happening and there was opportunity for all of us. And I love, I love how he looks back to that era and felt that and I love the words he uses, often the words fresh, because that's what I see in this text. When I look back to Acts chapter 2 and what God is up to in that moment and what he even wants to do for us today, it's something fresh that's going on. When we see what's happening in Acts 2, it's a beautiful, fresh thing that God is doing in and through his church and for the world for us to experience. Now, what is that fresh thing? And here's a few things. We could list a bunch of things. We could write books on it. But here's three or four things that I really see God doing in Acts 2 that I, I believe he's still doing, wants to do in us today. So here's the first thing. I, think there's, I believe there's a fresh invitation. There's a fresh invitation to the world at the moment or up until that time, God was primarily working through Israel, but always loved the nations, always had the purpose of this is for the nations. Even back in his word to Abraham, I'm doing something in you for the nations. Whenever he spoke to Israel, go back to Isaiah 49, you know, you're going to be a light to the nations. Jesus comes and he comes first to speak to Israel, but then sends his disciples out to disciple the nations. And here in Acts 2, we start to see the concrete plan open up and, 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 un, and you know, just kind of like unveil itself. So a spiritual barrier is broken. It's not only for these people. God's not only working with these people. There's a barrier being broken at Pentecost where God's spirit would be poured out on all flesh, all people. And everyone would be able to experience the God of Israel in personal and real and tangible ways. What God started in Israel was breaking open up to the nations, to people. And what God, who created, the, who created heaven and earth and broke into creation through Jesus and now his spirit, wants to restore humanity. And he's inviting the world in. He's inviting them in. Jesus promises them. He says, hey, wait for the coming of my spirit. And God's power, you know, the, the power of the spirit that's going to come on you so you can be a witness to this place and this place and this place to the ends of the earth. So there's a barrier being broken where we're all invited in. And everyone who hears and everyone who responds and then everyone who receives moves into the life of Jesus. That's partly why we exist as a church. So the world, we can witness to the world that they can not only hear and understand this message from God in Christ, that they can respond and receive and experience life in Jesus and the invitations for everybody. So it's a fresh invitation, but it's also this. It's fresh reconciliation. I don't know if you noticed in the text, but these social barriers are being broken. 
First of all, all the languages that are being shared. It's not just like, you know, this is one language, this is one thing, this is for one. No, no. There's, there's these barriers being broken. And it wasn't just for all flesh, but even through all flesh that God was going to work. Through the young and old, through men and women, through sons and daughters, through slaves and free, through rich and poor. It's like God's full intended purpose for image bearers way back what we read in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 wouldn't be inhibited to race or gender or status or where you live in the world or how much money you have or what culture you're from. No, these barriers would be broken. and There'd be a fresh reconciliation where we can celebrate each other's um, ethnicity and celebrate each other's differences and celebrate each other's languages but also work together so the 120 of disciples that were waiting in the upper room were male and female young and old the 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 crowd that day was mixed in terms of where they came from in that region and the world would be reached so much that paul would later write you know neither jew or greek or male or female or slave or free we're all one in christ This is like the most beautiful anchor text for the priesthood of all believers, for how God wants to work in each of us through the gifts of his spirit. He wants to use you, he wants to use me, and he wants to use all of us, not according to your gender or your status or your wealth or your ethnicity, but because he wants to pour his spirit into you and use you and give you gifts to serve the world and to serve through the church. So there was fresh reconciliation, but then it it poured out over into something beautiful, which was fresh community. There's this spillover into this community that this church was starting. We read about it a couple of weeks ago as well as we saw the church starting to grow. There was a reconciliation happening, first among Jews and and Gentiles, first among Jews and Greeks, but then it, it started to pour out over that. And we see a community of justice and we see a community of hospitality and we we see a community of generosity and we see people sharing their resources and we see this love for one another. And Paul using over a hundred times the word love one another just to describe this this sense of one anotherness. It pours out to this fresh community to show the world what God was up to, what his spirit was accomplishing, what new creation looks like in small glimpses here in our world. And then it's also this, and here's, here's this last piece, which I love. It's, it's fresh opportunity. Maybe we just read it, and, you know, Peter's a big figure in the New Testament, and it's like, yeah, for sure he'd use Peter. But this is God using a very ordinary person for a very extraordinary moment. And Peter's the first example of this. Peter, you know, in the garden cuts off the ear of a soldier and Jesus is like Peter that was really the dumbest thing to do that's not what we're about Jesus takes the ear miraculously heals and it's like Peter's like ah bad decision Uh, Peter disowns Jesus like three times in front of young people in front of others and he just he's depleted he's like he's he's feeling down and and he's he's disowned Christ and and he's just thinking he's a complete failure But here on this day, he stands up, prompted by the Spirit, filled with God's Spirit. And he proclaims the resurrected Jesus to the crowds. And he connects the dots for them in God's history. And he invites them in. And he boldly does this. God uses this ordinary person for an extraordinary purpose in that moment. 
And Pentecost means fresh opportunity for you and for me and for all of us, regardless of where we are, in your workplaces, in your neighborhoods, in your homes, in your relationships, in our church and in our community, fresh opportunity. William Willeman says this, he says, the spirit breathed life into a once cowardly disciple and created a new man who now has the gift of bold speech. I love that. For Peter, it was bold speech. For some of us, it might be something else. But God's spirit wants to pour out into your life and use you and give you gifts to serve the world. The gifts aren't for us to hold on to. The gifts aren't for us to put on a platform. The gifts, the gifts aren't for us to put a badge on our shirts or a badge on our websites and say, we can do this or we can do that. It's not for that. And if, even if it's not just spiritual gifts, even if it's other things, you know, beware of Christians who take their wealth or their status and make it a badge of honor. Like God is blessing me with this wealth and it's like but God is blessing this person in poverty as well is it is it your wealth is it your status no God wants to use us in whatever in our poverty and in our wealth and so the spirit breathed life into Peter he wants to breathe life into us fresh opportunity fresh community fresh reconciliation fresh invitation we see this in Pentecost but I just want to let us know something and it it struck me this week that as much as Pentecost can inspire us, it can also judge us. Here's what I mean, because sometimes we can reduce, we read this text, and it can judge us when we reduce Pentecost to Acts chapter 2. It happened then, and that's it. We can reduce the Spirit's activity to that first day of Pentecost. We can also reduce God's activity or to a label that we call Pentecostals today and within the whole stream of church history, within the whole stream of, of Christianity in our world, we might say, oh, we might reduce Pentecost or Acts chapter 2 to like one denomination in all of the church across the world. And that, would, that wouldn't be the right thing to do. We could also, this is how Pentecost can judge us, we can also reduce Pentecost to wind and fire and loud, visible experience that we find in Acts. We say, well, it's only that. Like, I'm, I'm looking for the sensational. But some of us can even do the reverse because we're, we're a little bit nervous or we saw something happen in, in other parts of the church and we're like, That's, that, that looks like an extreme. And then we close up and we reduce the work of the Spirit only inside of us. We reduce the work of the Spirit only to the interior. We reduce the work of the Spirit only to quiet things. Where someone says, no, 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 the Spirit is never going to act out in that way. <laughs> the Spirit is never going to do that. And we say, no, 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 it's only, like, it's only, in, my, it's only, only in my prayer closet where the Spirit's going to work. It's like, really? Is that the only place the Spirit wants to do something? <laughs> only in the quietness of the chair where you read the Bible in? Only in a, in a worship service where, no. And so let's be careful that as much as Pentecost inspires us, it can also judge us and we can reduce what Pentecost means and how the Holy Spirit works. So let's not let Pentecost stay on the pages of Acts 2. Let's not let it, do, and let's not reduce it to only put it in the box of Acts chapter 2. So here's my question as I close today. What fresh thing might God be doing in you today? 
What fresh thing might God be doing in you today? What fresh thing might God be doing in our church today? Uh, We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what next crisis is going to happen in the world or in our country. We're, We're seeing positive signs of the pandemic decreasing. We're seeing maybe opportunities open up. I, I have no idea, but I, I, I'm still asking this question. What fresh things might God do right now in our current state? There's a church in Southern California um, known for its you know, immense size, 30,000, 40,000 people, Saddleback Church. They, closed, they were one of the first to close down, and they realized that because they're like as big as Disney, they would have been the last to open up. And, uh, and, they, and they were right. And so they asked themselves, Lord, what, what are you doing right now? And it was amazing because when others were saying, God can't work unless we meet, or God can't do this or do that, here's this church that saw almost 5,000 people baptized and they never gathered once in the last 16 months. And most of the, the, the transmission of the gospel, the, 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 the telling of the gospel came through personal relationships in their networks, not through their church's platform. Only about 20, 30% of people came to Christ through their church's platform, online platform. 70% came to faith through personal relationships. And when the food banks were closing in, the, in Southern California because the need was so great and the resources were so low, they stepped up and they talked to the, to the health officials and they talked to the school board and says, how can we help? And this one church became the largest distributor of food in their region in Southern California, opening up mobile food clinics and hotspots with every school in the district. And I thought, Why? wait, is God not working? <laughs> of course God's working. Now that's a big example. And uh, I'm not saying we have to be exactly that. But I'm just asking the question, what fresh thing might God do in you and in me and in us? N.T. Wright says, He says it like this, and he's a pretty conservative guy in experience, you know, but he, I love what he writes here. He says, when it comes to Pentecost, it's far more important than you're out th- that you're out there in the wind. Sorry, let me say it again. When it comes to Pentecost, it's far more important that you're out there in the wind, letting it sweep through your life, your heart, your imagination, your powers of speech, and transform you from a listless or lifeless believer into someone whose heart is on fire with the love of God. That's, this is what Pentecost longs to do in us. And if you feel listless, if you feel lifeless, if you feel pressed down, if you feel like, you know, that, that, that you haven't been able to move forward, this is this beautiful moment, this opportunity. I'm going to invite Steve to come up as we just take some time to reflect on this today. And if you're here and you're here on site or if you're watching at this moment and you've been following Jesus for a while and this last season has felt like it's squished you or made you apathetic or made you lose sight of what God is up to or maybe you feel distant, I want to just give you this moment this morning to open your palms fresh and to say, Holy Spirit, fall fresh on me. Holy Spirit, would you, would you speak into my life? Would you pour something fresh into my heart today? Would you remind me of who you are? Would you turn me loose with your love inside me and through me? This can happen even now. This can happen even now. 
I shared this story about Nicky Gumbo who founded Alpha 20 years ago and he was so hesitant and apprehensive in, in the week where they study the Holy Spirit to just say, Holy Spirit, come. You know, an Anglican church with all the traditional decor and just saying, Holy Spirit, come and something beautiful happened. And then when the pandemic hit and all their Alpha groups went online and no one was in a building and there was these small little pockets of people, he was so nervous, he, he, he doubted like he doubted 20 years ago. It's not possible that the Holy Spirit's going to work. We're on Zoom. This is crazy. Why would God do this? And he just, he just, again, in that fresh way said, over Zoom, Holy Spirit, come. And people were responding to God's work in their life. Because God's not worried about a building or not a building or the internet or not the internet or if we're 10 or 12 or 100 or 50,000 Holy Spirit wants to work and maybe as you today you just need to literally open your palms and say Holy Spirit come I mean, you might be listening today and you might be just exploring faith with us for the last little while and I want, I want you to know that the purpose of God's Spirit coming is not for me as a Christian to have a really cool experience. The, spirit, the, the purpose of God's Spirit coming was for, for you to hear and respond and feel in a personal way that God loves you and cares for you. And something beautiful happens when we respond to Jesus. It's like our spirit bears witness to his spirit. And something begins to change in us. And I just want to invite you to take that step. And in a similar way, figuratively or literally with palms open, just to say, God, I, I'm ready to, to step into something, uh, into the next step with you and to embrace who Jesus is and call him Lord of my life and welcome your spirit. I want to do that. And we're going to do that in a moment. And, and uh, I'm going to give you time to reflect. But I, I wore this shirt today. I don't know if you can see it from there, tell what it is. It's uh, one of my favorite local designers in Montreal. His name is Ryan Labrosse. And I have a couple of his, his drawings. And he's like, a, he just loves drawing about Montreal. This is one of his latest uh, brands that he created. And um, when I saw it, I, I had to buy it. I'm like, I'm, I don't really buy designer t-shirts, but I had to buy this one. <laughs> and so, um, well, it's only a $35 t-shirt. It's not a $200 t-shirt. But why did I mention the, the price? Uh, but I love it because it reminds me, I put it on, it just reminds me of the city I'm in. It reminds me that God loves our city. I see the colors and, and he's, he's allowed the cross to be really front and center. I don't know if you can see that, the cross from Mount Royal. And when I, when I wanted to wear this shirt today and, and I rarely wear t-shirts on Sunday, but I was like, I'm going to wear this t-shirt today because I want to remember, I want to firmly plant myself in this posture of, of wanting and longing God to do something fresh in my life and in my neighborhood and in my city and in your neighborhood and in your workplace and in your family and in your relationships. And so when you look at this or when you think about that, as we just take this next few moments, Let's not put a limit on what God wants to do and where God wants to do it and how God wants to do it. The scope of our city and beyond. Amen? Let's just pause for a few moments before you pray. And I'm going to invite you literally here or at home to just posture yourself with your palms open like this. And simply... even using the words of Acts 2, the wind and fire of God's Spirit to fall fresh on you. 
to fall fresh on us, to fall fresh on our city. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Our Heavenly Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth here as it is in heaven. Simply pray with me. Come, Holy Spirit, and allow God to do what he wants to do in you. You might want to spark a fresh flame in your heart of love and passion for him. Maybe he wants to bring healing to a relationship or a mindset you have, maybe even to your body. Maybe he wants to open your eyes to your neighbors and coworkers. Regardless of it, let's just step out in that prayer. Come Holy Spirit. Just say that with your own words keep inviting him in. even at home if you're on your couch or watching. There's no boundaries to the Spirit's work. we confess how we have at times reduced Pentecost to stop in Acts 2. We confess that we have at times only labeled Pentecost to a certain part of your church in the world and in history. God, we confess at times when we have only identified your work in the loud and visible and sensational. We also confess when we have reduced your work to the interior and quiet and solitude. God, we long 
to make room for something fresh in our own hearts, in our lives, in our homes, on our street, in our work, in our city, in our world that impacts our decisions and finances and relationships. And so we say, welcome, Holy Spirit. Fall fresh on us. May it start in us. May it start in our own church. May we see it in our city. And would you give us eyes to see and discernment and courage to step into whatever you're doing, Lord. God, forgive us for the obstacles we have labeled obstacles but that have never, even, have never stopped your spirit from working. Yes, God, we welcome you. Break our hearts where they need to be broken. Convict us where we need to be convicted. Lead us to confession where we have sin and rebellion. We say welcome, Holy Spirit. Fall fresh on us. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, even if you're not into church or religion. We meet every Sunday, but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. We'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com giving. Until next time, peace.